The following is a For Vengeance Media production. we love is undergoing a shift. What a beauty! Borders are breaking down. Some might say disappearing. Huge goal! And the freedom to choose is gaining momentum. Through it all, players are better than ever at all levels. From youth hockey to the best junior leagues and the highest level, the game is reaching new heights. Presented by Four Vengeance Media. This is Game Changers, the home of hockey. On Silent Ice TV. Game Changers, the home of hockey here on Silent Ice TV. Always thrilled to be joined by Brandon Ewan Cheshin, president of For Vengeance Media, and my name is Dean Millard. And uh, another Thursday is here as this show gets released and more uh, big stories to chat about. Uh, I, you know, this is a, a big story for us. We got to do uh, an actual game together uh, this week. Uh, you know, I got to provide color while you did the play-by-play of all the things that we've done uh, in this company. That's the one thing that we had yet to do so we checked that off the bingo card it was quite fun to uh, do that game the other day yeah it was so enjoyable to have you uh on the same headset uh, as myself i think i joked about it before the broadcast we've never done this before in all the things we've done like you said we've probably been in every other position possible but that uh so yeah it was really cool and you know what it worked out it was the school day game in sherwood park on tuesday and noon start unconventional uh, so the timing worked for everybody and you weren't on the road, which you are now uh, as you're off to BC again this weekend. But uh, yeah, just a blast to uh, to get you on the show and, and get to provide some analysis in that position. Uh, I guess the comparable would be you being the host in Spruce Grove, but that'll right. come back here uh, in the short term when the JPHL playoffs wrap up. Indeed. Uh, okay, so on the show today, really excited uh, to continue the conversation and the look uh, into independent hockey. Let's be honest, there are a lot of eyeballs uh, and probably a lot of questions about independent hockey right now after the Alberta Junior Hockey League uh, disallowed uh, five teams to play, and those five teams left the old league to go to the BCHL. The JPHL is growing, the HSL. So we had Dan LeCelt, Executive Director of Silent Ice uh, T- Sports and Entertainment, on the show last week, and we're keeping it going. Mark Cronowit, uh, Executive Director, also with Silent Ice Sports and Entertainment, to kind of give his thoughts on what the last month or so has been. And, uh, you know, that, that the conversation we had with uh, Dan last week uh, was so revealing and refreshing and this one I think is going to shed some more light on the whys and, and the hows and, and and what is going on maybe in the future when it comes to Silent Ice Brandon. Yeah it was an interesting question you know I didn't know where he was going to go with what do you see for the future uh, in that regard but just going back to Dan and getting his story last week and how everything got started to where it is today and most importantly I think the reasons why he's doing it uh, I think the biggest 
false statement out there is that they're doing that for monetary value and for financial gain. They're not. They are just guys that love the game. And that's, of course, the LeCelt brothers and just two guys that want to see the development path continue for so many athletes. And like Mark said in his interview, just giving everybody an alternative option. Uh, out there as opposed to what was the only option in the past. And I think Mark did a good job of of underlying why they did it as well, what his role was. And he also mm-hmm. told some cool stories about the old 1999 Allen Cup champion, Stony Plain Eagles, and of course touched on the BCHL and I mean how the HSL started and how it morphed into what it is now and then the addition of the JPHL, etc. cetera. Uh, the one thing that you mentioned off the top was the growth of independent hockey, the HSL, the JPHL. The growth of the Silent Ice Referee Academy has yes. to start getting talked about a little bit more and I think we should almost have one of them on here maybe in the future maybe it's Scott Fulmer or something along those lines who came out of retirement uh, just over a week ago to get back on the ice and lines in the BCHL but what an opportunity this has provided you talked about the old league and Spruce Grove along with the four other teams joining the BCHL well BC needed refs uh, in Alberta and lines persons and what a better place to look than the JPHL who already share basically the same rule book it was actually funny. I was talking to Sean Robertson, one of the hockey operations coordinators for the BCHL, just about live stats and getting everything acquainted. And I said, is there any rules that, that I should be aware of on the broadcast or that I should explain to the listeners or viewers? And he started mentioning the face-off rule. And I'm like, the face-off rule? Just like the JPHL? Oh, yeah, just, just like the JPHL. I'm like, <laughs> okay, well, we handle all the broadcasting for that league too. So he's like, okay, you guys are good. You know everything. You'll You'll be good. But uh, just to further that point a little bit uh, along, I think the Referee Academy deserves some credit as well because they've provided a lot here in this transition. Yeah, and I, I've really enjoyed, you know, I, I get the privilege uh, by covering the JPHL to be able to walk down the hallway and ask Mike Civic a question about a certain call. I mean, only had 30 years in the National Hockey League as a Lions person, just like Brad Lazarowitz. They came in uh, right close, uh, right around the same time. Uh, so I, I'm really privileged and I've had a chance to talk to Mike and to Brad. So I'm with you. I, I love picking the brains of the officials and a guy like Scott Fulmer, who's done so much work with that academy uh i i'm i'm down for that for sure and just getting inside the brain i love learning about what goes through uh, the officials minds and different things like that and the progression uh, as you mentioned that academy uh, is doing such a great job so mark Cronowit will join us we'll also take a look back at the plays of the week from the jphl from the last showcase split between abbotsford and, of course, uh, Calgary, where we were uh, for uh, the uh, Alberta Showcase at Great Plains Arena. Uh, we are in Delta this weekend uh, for the JPHL. We'll have all the games, of course, on Silent Ice TV. And you'll be back at the Sherwood Park Arena on Saturday night for a rematch of a game that ended a little bit feisty on uh, Tuesday. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to say the Saints didn't get great bounces early in the game on Tuesday. They fell 4-2 at the end of the day. Um, It was all Sherwood Park in the first. I think the Saints came back a little bit in the second. They generated some chances. Eric Roost, outstanding. Today, actually, uh, named the Alberta Division Player of the Week. I think well-deserving based on his performance earlier in the week on Tuesday. He shut down Spruce Grove in the second. Fast forward to the third. Uh, Matt Lessick partially dropping the gloves. Adam Lang fully dropping the gloves. Nathan Hawkins attempting, but the feistiness definitely picking up between the two Highway 16 rivals. And 
in my time, that goes back at least to the uh, 2018 North Division Final where the Saints were able to uh, take down Sherwood Park and even the year after. Uh, they've seen so each other so many times when it was the North Division in the old league, but I think the feistiness maybe sparked the Saints a bit. Alexander Babich, he got two goals late in the third period. It wasn't enough. The Saints, they lost the game 4-2, but had there been another fourth period, maybe mm -hmm. they would have clawed back and tied things up. But that, uh, to your point, brings upon a very exciting, feisty, potentially feisty matchup on Saturday. Uh, hockey night in Canada style back in Sherwood Park. Uh, and then Spruce Grove traveling the Black Falls for a Sunday matinee. The first test for Spruce Grove against the Bulldogs in the BCHL. So another packed weekend of uh, junior hockey as well as JPHL hockey once again for us here at Fort Vengeance. Excellent. Well, let's get into our top five stories in hockey that uh, we will run through. Uh, and, uh, you know, the this first story that we're going to talk about, uh, well, we were just talking about where you will be on Saturday and where we were on Tuesday, as it looks like there could be a new arena in Sherwood Park. Well, there is going to be a new arena in Sherwood Park. And uh, the Crusaders, this from Strathcona.ca, the Crusaders plan to construct and fund an estimated $86 million multi-purpose arena in Strathcona County. It will include a four-sheet ice rink arena with seating capacity for at least 2,500 in the main arena. And hey, we're, we've, we've talked about the excitement out in Spruce Grove about uh, their new arena. Obviously, we know uh, what it's like at Silent Ice Center, and uh, I don't know if there will be a, an arena as nice as Silent Ice Center, but this is just more good news on the heels of the Sherwood Park fan base getting a better brand of hockey moving forward, and now, in the near future, a better place to watch it from like uh, Grant Fuhr Arena, there will probably be some sad times to say goodbye to that arena for the Crusaders. Uh, but you've done a lot of games from there. What's this uh, news for you? It's exciting, I think. And, and I would probably say that the other four broadcasters across the Alberta <laughs> division of the BCHL would attest to that, too. Um, the broadcast booth right now is over in the corner. It's not the greatest sight lines, as, as you found out on Tuesday. Uh, it's a tough to see the far side of the ice, but... Uh, unfortunately, that's what you get sometimes in these older buildings. However, uh, this is great news for Sherwood Park. I know that a big part of them joining the BCHL was to make sure they had a new facility on the horizon. And this uh, obviously uh, confirms that as they get their things going with the, the county of Strathcona. And I, I think the, the coolest thing here, too, is it's not just for the Sherwood Park Crusaders. This rink is also going to be for minor hockey. Uh, there's going to be more than one sheet. You see it for on the screen. So I think this is great for not only the Sherwood Park Crusaders, but for Strathcona County and minor hockey as well. I mean, you can never get enough ice, it seems like, in our part of the world. Um, and, and going from these two sheets now to four more uh, in the area, I think will bode extremely well for the county uh, and the Crusaders too, who are a very good hockey team this year. I, I give a lot of credit to Adam Surgery and Brendan Menard who have come in and uh, really turned that program around. Um, you know, go back to the COVID year, maybe they had a chance to beat Spruce Grove with the likes of Michael Benning and Carter Savoy and Carter Guylander in between the pipes. And that season got cut short. Well, this one, thank goodness, they still get to play because they got a lot of good tools in their toolbox. And we saw how skilled they were on Tuesday. So 
beyond that, excited to see how they do down the stretch here as they've, like I said, struggled as of late, but also excited to see how they do in a deserving building where they can showcase their talents here for many years to come. Well, and just kind of on on that note, when you look at, uh, you know, the, the Saints are going to be playing in a new building at some point next year. Uh, Black Falls has a gorgeous uh, facility that, that they're playing in. And uh, now uh, Sherwood Park is going to get a new facility. Um, I haven't been down to the to the uh, the other arenas uh, that, that make up uh, uh, the other teams uh, in the Alberta division, but it's a it's a great thing a better brand of hockey in better arenas and so not only are these five teams looking at the players and and what they can provide for the players but also the fans and a better fan experience so it's upping the game all around in the Alberta division of the BCHL yeah and that's where I was going to go to to your point is now you introduce a video board you introduce a light show you introduce all these different things that Make it more of an event. You know, the the hockey's there and hockey's part of it for sure. And that's why people come. But they also come to see the show. And that's why they bring their kids because, you know, they might get to see the mascot. They might find themselves up on the video board during an activation. Uh, and as well, Okotoks, they got a video board. Tyler King does a good mm-hmm. job down there in, in the activations and the game presentation. Uh, Drayson Niper, Nathan Crosby, and Brooks, they do a good job as well. Uh, Brooks was one of the first ones ever uh in junior a hockey as it was in the old league to get a video board uh fort mcmurray was was there as well around the same time but more and more teams are getting them now you mentioned black falls uh they got one with their brand new fancy building okotoks didn't have one for a long time until just a couple seasons ago uh spruce grove is obviously going to have a nice one similar to silent ice center and their civic center here in spruce grove and then Sherwood Park, I would imagine, have some pretty cool toys to work with as well when it comes to game presentation. So, yeah, it, it brings the overall event to another level. Um, and then you can kind of get into that debate, whether it's worth it to drive downtown and pay 25 bucks for parking and, you know, 30 bucks for a hot dog to walk into Rogers and watch the Oil Kings game. Or do you park for free in Sherwood Park and Spruce Grove? You know, you get your $5 hot dog, $5 beer if the Saints score in the final minute of the period and take your kids to that instead, but at the same time, experience somewhat of the same level of game presentation. So I think it's very important when you look at it in that facet too, uh, to drive more people who are hockey fans, but they don't pay attention as much as maybe you or me, where they don't understand the intricate details of major junior versus junior, uh, and they might take their money to a building like this because it's just a little bit more accessible uh, financially for these people. I uh, could not uh, agree more uh, in that regard. So well said. uh, And I think that is exactly what people have to be looking at is that, hey, you're, you know, the dad might be the biggest hockey fan, but maybe the rest of the family are casual hockey fans. And so you have to keep everybody uh, involved in that. So uh, well said on that. Well, this story is obviously near and dear to what I'm going to be doing uh, this weekend uh, out in Delta, BC, because it's the final regular season showcase for the JPHL. And there's some pretty big storylines to get into. The U14s will have a finals preview uh, for the VC division. 
division unless Okanagan can pull off an upset and love to see upsets in the playoffs. But Langley and the Island will meet three times this weekend alone. And that is just going to set up in what could be two weeks, three weeks time when they could meet in the BC final, which will be played in Vernon uh, this year where the Vipers play. So yet another cool BCHL arena that uh, those teams will get to play in. Um, As for the U15, this is a big rivalry game. Uh, HC Edmonton versus Langley. Uh, You have a dominant uh, Edmonton team, a big, big, strong guy in Marcus LaRocque, and we all know about Liam Pugh. We have talked about that guy. So that's a really good uh, matchup. Last time these two teams met, it was really, really intense. So uh, they're going to want to keep that intensity, but add in that uh, respect for your opponent and, and keep it on the rails because these guys know, or they should know, that you could be drafted and now you're a teammate of the guy that you were really going at. So it's going to be a good uh, learning experience for these guys to play with intensity, but you know, make sure you're uh, realizing that you could be up against that guy at, at some point. The U-17, this is my favorite to match up. Uh, the Titans and North Stars in U-17, they met in the Winter Championship last year and in the finals in the U-15. They met in the Winter Championship final this year and they could meet in the finals. Again, other teams will have a say on that, but these two teams go at it really hard. It's a great rivalry. I love it. They're both well-coached and well-played, and they play each other hard. And the finals in the U18, it's the last regular season tune-up for Coquitlam and Langley. Uh, They'll just play the one game to wrap up the season. So a few different things to kind of look for this weekend on Silent Ice TV as we wrap up the regular season. There'll also be a play-in weekend uh, following that in Calgary, and then we are right into the playoffs. And, you know, we had a a good discussion today about our playoff coverage, and I'm just getting as excited as I was before the Winter Championship, and we still have about four or five weeks away. Yeah, lots planned again. Uh, A couple new things we're going to introduce. I'm not going to spill the tea just yet, uh, but a couple more camera angles and potentially uh, a different system to help the officials uh, will be in play for the championships, of course, at Silent Ice Center. And speaking of buildings, I didn't know that that game was at the Caltire place for the Vernon Vipers place. So it's pretty cool for those kids to get to go and experience that. Uh, Super exciting again for the JPHL, who I think next year might be an even more uh, BCHL ranks as the partnership continues to grow uh, between those organizations and franchises in the JPHL. But uh, so cool to get those kids the junior experience before they get the quote-unquote junior experience. Yeah, indeed. And speaking of that junior experience, uh, that is another story as the five teams from the old league now in the BCHL and settling in, as we saw uh, earlier this week, uh, the two teams. But as we have on here, the game is faster paced. Um, I don't know if the players are energized, but the officials did such a good job of keeping the pace of play going with their calls. And only a few games. Games remaining, but new opportunities for players, uh, officials, and, and of course the fans to be able to get out and watch uh, what I think is such an, an entertaining and fast uh, brand of hockey that we're seeing now here in this uh, in this province. Yeah, and you touched on it in our post game wrap on Tuesday. 
we weren't looking at the clock to see when the game was going to go by or this game slow. It was a highly entertaining, highly skilled, fast-paced hockey game. And I give a lot of credit to the officials again. Uh, we talked about the, the feistiness off the top, but the feistiness doesn't happen if the officials stop it. And they did a good job of walking the line. There was a misconduct handed out at a certain point, but at that point it was about controlling the game. But they let things progress to that point of boiling over before they stepped in. And it's hard to teach that, uh, Dean. And, and I know our referees would agree that it takes a special kind of official to know uh, how far to take it until it's too far. And I think that has a lot to do with the pace of play. Um, and the joke was always made. I mean, I probably said it already, but why can't the Saints play against these other four teams all the time? And now they are. Um, and it just seems every time these teams get together, the pace of play is ecstatic. Uh, the excitement is at an all-time high for for not only the broadcasters, but players, fans, coaches, stakeholders, everybody involved. Uh, and so far in the early stages of the Alberta division of the BCHL, I've been very impressed with the pace of play, uh, the excitement, the renewed energy in the buildings. Uh, it's It's been very good so far, and we're only three games in. So really excited to see how go things go this weekend and then down the stretch run here into the Alberta division playoffs of the BCHL. Yeah, just uh, four or five games left for the teams, and and I, you know, I recognize. Well, a, I recognize some some officials yesterday. We saw Chris Devlin working in the BCHL. What an opportunity for him! And uh, he's on the uh, JPHL circuit. But I recognize the the things that happened in that game yesterday is what I've been seeing in the JPHL about you know if an infraction does not have an impact on the play it doesn't always have to be called and and the obviously the icing rule with the hybrid icing keeps game things going so much uh in that and so it was so refreshing also uh, how about this uh, and not one player was kicked out of the face-off. I mean, that is something that keeps going. The education starts in the HSL and the JPHL, and by the time they get to this level, it's already ingrained in them that, listen, you're not going to get kicked out a second time, or you're not going to have a second infraction. So it's so nice to see, uh, just like we, we chat, with, as people will hear with Mark, about vertically integrated. It's the same thing. As you go up learning the same rules, by the time you get to this, it's ingrained in your head and the game is so much faster because the players know what to expect. Yeah, I think I said it on the broadcast too, and just a real-life example would be last Saturday at the Concordia game uh, at Silent Ice Center. It was a great event. Uh, everything went wonderful. It, it was a good hockey game as well, but the one thing on that note that was noticeable was the guys getting waved out of the face-offs time and time again, um, and I almost forgot that that was a thing. Uh, because yeah. I'm so used to the JPHL and BCHL rules where it's a one violation warning, second violation, you're getting a penalty. Um, and I think that just keeps the guys accountable. You don't want to be the guy going off for a delay a game penalty and giving the other team a power play, especially with these five teams and the firepower they have on the man advantage. So uh, it was just noticeable for me on Saturday. Oh, yeah, they're kicking guys out. And, you know, you're sitting there trying to direct and you're trying to line up your camera shots to when the faceoff is going to drop. Uh, and then a guy gets kicked out and it kind of messes up the flow of the game. Uh, but just just an interesting timbit there from Saturday. And one of the things that we noticed in the truck uh, as opposed to other games. Yeah, I, uh, I I am totally with you on that one. From doing past tournaments, I thought at, at times 
the referees were getting paid by uh, the amount of guys that they had kicked out of the <laughs> face-off or uh, trying to make their quota, so to speak. Uh, this is an interesting story that we have chatted about in the past that we were both skeptical of. Now, where there's smoke, there's fire. Maybe this isn't done yet, but it does not sound like the NCAA is that excited to open up eligibility to CHL players. This is a tweet from Jimmy Connolly from USCHO, a man who's very plugged into the NCAA game. Guy Flaming and I uh, chatted with him many, many times over the course of the years on the Pipeline Show, and I'm sure he's still on TPS with Guy. Uh, but he says it does not have strong support and is likely uh, a dead issue. I I still found it surprising that this was being talked about as a possibility. Um, I think a lot of people have pointed out it would kill a lot of American hockey players going to college, and you might end up having a bunch of guys, uh, you know, out of scholarships at some point. So this is not terribly surprising to me that this doesn't have a lot of support. I'm not sure it's dead yet, but as of right now, uh, this looks like uh, it's not going to be moving forward at the NCAA level. The CHL has no control over this. This is an NCAA decision whether they allow or not allow players, and it looks like they're going to stick to what they're going with. Yeah, and it's it's kind of always been an NCAA decision to not let them in. Um, and just going through the reasons that we talked about last week too, I mean, you have guys off CHL teams that are going to depart your organization at 17, 18, 19. I don't think you want that as a CHL organization. You develop that guy at 16, 17, and now you want him for 18, 19, 20. Um, the monetary side of it, whether it's a pro player on a pro contract, is he eligible in the NCAA? I would think not. Um, then the other side too, if you're a CHL team paying for a scholarship, for a guy to go to you know, Harvard or, or an Ivy League school whose tuition is probably significantly higher than that of a CIS school, does that still jive? Are you going to have to double the scholarship budget per se uh, at the CHL level? I don't think they're going to do that. Uh, and then like you said, uh, it's going to affect the players. It's going to take Americans, more of them, uh, out of the likelihood of playing in the NCAA. And then at the same time, it's going to take a lot of players away from CIS teams up here in Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk about the U of A or UBC. They're not going to have access to said CHL players because they would obviously be gone to the NCAA. So for, for those four reasons or five reasons, um, I think we kind of nailed it last week where there's a lot of red flags uh, and I think it's just too much red tape. They got to cut through to make this happen. Um, and selfishly for us that work in the independent hockey mm-hmm. side of things, the main goal of the BCHL is to advance as many players as you can to NCAA. And they are now over, I think, 250 commitments, maybe even more. Um, they're doing such a good job with that. Um, and this keeps that path wide open for what the BCHL believes in. And one of their main development models is putting players uh, into the NCAA. And the CHL doesn't want this either because then they lose players. I mean, I, I remember having a discussion with, Kelly McCrimmon of the Vegas Golden Knights about why doesn't the uh, NHL 
and the AHL come to some sort of deal in the CHL where you could have uh, a certain amount of players play in the AHL at 19. And he said, because that would kill the CHL because you would take the best players out of that league as at, at 19 year olds. So they know uh, what they're going to have to do and, and counteract if indeed uh, this is um, one of the situations that does come through down the line. We'll see, but sounds like right now it's likely a dead issue according to uh, Jimmy Connolly. All right, the the big story of uh, the week, I think, is uh, Ridley Gregg, uh, former uh, branded Wheat King, I'll point out. The Wheaties uh, always stirring it up uh, when they can. Scoring the empty net goal and Morgan Riley with the cross check to the face and he gets a five-game suspension. So what's worse, the goal, the cross-check, and did Department of Player Safety get it right? I will say this first of all. If Morgan Riley had skated over and cross-checked Ridley Gregg in the ribs or anywhere other than the head, I don't think we're talking about this nearly as much. If he just goes over and gives him a shot and blah, 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 that happens... I think that's it. It's the fact that he cross-checked him in the face, man. You just don't do that, and that's why this is a big deal. What do you think? It was funny. I was actually making dinner uh, at the time it went down, and I caught it out of the corner of my eye. I'm like, holy smokes, in the face. Like, he got him in the face. Roll that back. Um, And and, uh, Craig Simpson and Chris Cuthbert, I think, did a good job on the Sportsnet show of, explaining uh why or why not uh that should have happened i totally agree with you i think craig knew what he was doing you're not gonna tell me he didn't know what he was doing he was trying to rub it in their face and you know what for for us that don't particularly like the leafs and you're a jets guy i'm an oilers guy awesome take a slap shot into the empty net rub it in a little bit you're in your own building that's a national game uh why not but then, on the other side of it, too, like the Leafs or hate the Leafs, Morgan Raleigh has every right to do something about it, as he yep. should, and key to the moment situation as well. I do totally agree. You don't cross-check a guy in the face. Um, you can you can jump him. You can cross-check him in the ribs. You can maybe give him a little shot in the face, but you don't cross-check a guy in the face. I think that's just too far. It's across the line. Um, now, five games for doing that. I don't know if that's the right answer on the other side of things. Uh, I heard Morgan Riley is going to appeal the suspension. I also heard that uh, Brad Living is not fond of talking to the media uh, just yet, uh, at least when we're recording this today. So uh, some stuff to still be decided. Um, where do you stand on the five-game suspension? I think he should have done something. I just don't think he should have hit him right in the face. Yeah, uh, I, I'm I'm fine with the five games because he cross checked a guy in the face. I think that's like that's the worst. You you can't you can't do that if he cro- like I said if he cross checked him anywhere shoulder down. There's zero suspension. We're har- all we're talking about is Ridley Gregg and how great the rivalry is. And and you're right, Ridley Gregg is doing that on purpose. And the memes that went around this week about the way the proper way to score an empty net goal on the Leafs and different people acting it out. I mean. I mean, it was it was awesome for the NHL. Is, is with it, uh, other than the fact that a guy got cross checked in the face. I mean, people are talking about the NHL, but they're talking about a guy doing something really, really bad that, that is over the line. So it's good for the league that people are talking about it. And on the empty net side of things. I just want to play a short little video thanks to 
one of our good friends on why you always hammer in the empty. This is a bit of a surprise for you. I didn't tell you that we had this. Here is why you should always put away empty netters with steam. Maybe one last gasp here for the (laughs) Oilers. Bergeron fans on a pass. Stefan steals and he'll ice it. Oh, at least I thought he was going to until he blew it. That's unbelievable. Here come the Oilers the other way. And Hemsky's loose. Hemsky, he scored. Can you believe what we just saw? the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Patrick Steffen, you should be embarrassed for what you just did. That does not belong in the National Hockey League. And then the puck is turned over, stole, gets the puck up, and shockingly, it's Ryan Smith. Alex Hemsky makes a remarkable move, and the Oilers somehow are going to send this game to overtime as Alex Hemsky's Oh, so there it is, courtesy of uh, Sportsnet, uh, when it was just Sportsnet back in the day, and uh, our good friend Peter Labardius on the, one of the most memorable calls of all time on an, on what started as a non-goal, but uh, the, I, I love Peter's call, and then Ray, the little ball of hate, just digs in with Patrick Steffen, and that's what makes Ray Ferraro the best color analyst in the game, in my opinion, is he is not afraid to rip the players when he has to. Yeah, there's there's so many connections there. We had Ray on the show about a month ago, maybe a bit longer, but yeah, he he's so good, and there's a reason he's went from sports debt regionals in Edmonton to ESPN on the big stage across North America. There's so many connections there for us. I mean, Peter Labardius, uh, just honored to call him a friend and such, such a good human, one of the best human beings in the world. Um, and you know what? He, every time we played that clip for him, he'd roll his eyes and give us the, come on guys. Are, are you, are you kidding me? There, there was a time, uh, last year we were doing a tournament, uh, just outside of Winnipeg in May. Uh, he was the play-by-play voice of the tournament. I was one of the production guys. And I remember we got into the van to go from the airport to the venue. And one of the camera operators had it going in the third row of the minivan. And Peter's just like, who is playing that? Why is it on? Shut it off. Um, but but yeah, memorable experience as well. And then one of our executive directors, Ryan Smith, uh, assisting yes. on the game time goal. So there's uh, so many connections there. Uh, that come back to us. Uh, my parents actually, I think, were at that game. Mm-hmm. I was a young kid, so I don't even remember uh, seeing it. I was probably sleeping when it went on with a, what, 9.30 p.m. finish uh, local time here uh, in Edmonton. But uh, that's such a good clip. And there's one thing, too. We got to go back and look through the JPHL Winter Championships, the yes. two games that Peter Labardius did. There was something similar. And I remember hearing it in my ears. I'm like, no, yeah, no, gave this it to is us. not happening again. Somebody missed an empty net, and he started along the same lines. Now, the other team didn't score at the other end, but I was like, flashbacks, light bulb, here we go, it's happening again. Uh, and, and, I mean, it's probably ingrained in his brain, too. So when a guy misses an empty net, that's his go-to. <laughs> yeah, it's the greatest empty net miss of all time uh, that, <laughs> yeah. that turned into a goal, and it's, it's a legend. So that's maybe what Ridley Gregg was thinking, is he did not want to become... A Patrick Steffen part two. 
Maybe. I don't know. Probably not. But I thought we would have some fun with that anyway. And and honor, uh, as you said, a good friend of ours, uh, Peter uh, Labardius. All right. Uh, I don't know if we'll have as memorable call as that in our JPHL Plays of the Week. But it was still another fantastic week uh, with some great announcers and some great camera work. Uh, so let's take a look back at last week in the JPHL. And then we'll bring in Mark Cronowit, Executive Director of Silent Ice Sports and Entertainment. This is Game Changers on Silent Ice TV. First two of that puck, feeding out the icing call is McVay. He's checked, sends it in front, they score! It is a hat trick for Max Ranseth. Oh, what a game for Max Ranseth. Here's Vanage. Ben Vanage, a drive to the net, goes back and forehand now, and Craig made the save. New York, New York. Big hit throwing there by Calgary's Caden Tupin. A little bit of a retro hip check. Bautista leads for Hillman. Give and go. Hillman rips it. Scores! Top shelf where Mama hides the cookies. Nathan Hillman. Now it's taken over by Calgary. Moved up top. A shot they score. It's big Carter Jensen feeding the goaltender from long range. Liam Pugh now skates back out at the near side. Right side Pugh trying to make a move, does make a move, dangles through everyone, he scores! You cannot stop this kid! Another phenomenal goal to his resume. Langley takes a 2-0 lead. As Owen LaKelt runs over Senek right into your living room. Again kept in, and now Shane has a chance to clear. He stood up in open ice. Tanner got all of him. Here's an opportunity now as they look to drive through. Here's a shot, top shelf. Oh, what a goal. As Daxton Endicott is able to bury it top shelf, he even moved the bottle a little bit. Good pressure here from the Titans. Morrison walking in, fires, and he missed wide, rebound, and somehow that stayed out. Bullman, a great save, robbing Mohamed El Hosari Garcia. Lloyd Minster power play. Frazier is out there with Scott Fisher, the top three scorers on their team. Barclay and Reshny on the blue line. In front, Frazier shoots, scores! In the slot, top shelf, power play goal. And for the fourth time, Lloyd Minster has taken the lead. And he sends it down the ice too. That'll be an icing. No, it's not as Lloyd Minster gets there and they score! Oh, wow! Beat out the icing, check. Score a go-ahead goal, check. Score a hat-trick, check. What a play from Joshua Fraser. Liam Pugh looks to break back out the other way. Here's a chance now, Pugh drops that one mic. Here's a shot, they score! 27 seconds in, no time wasted from the Langley Hockey Academy, and that is how you make a start. A delayed call now against the Island Hockey Club in front of the net, they score! Making another for Kalen Swanson, two goals on the morning. Squeaks past the point, and here's a break for Edmonton. In all alone, forehand, backhand, big save, fairhead, 
two on one developing here. Furkish with its centering pass, big save to Markey, and the rebound. Here come the Rockies back the other way, two on one. What a save, pulling it off the goal line was Evan Hines. That puck was on the goal line and he turned around with the glove and pulled it off. Harmon tied up behind the net and a good forecheck uh, from Petalusi leads it for McAloy and McAlolooy in tight and McEachran comes up with another good save. Another shorthanded chance for McAlolooy in the clear, forehand scores! Noah McAlolooy ties the game at one. Shorthanded. Quickly up to McAlolooy who has a step again, fires and what a save! Griffin McEachran with that big shiny white glove. Massard picks it up. Now it's taken away again, and a breakaway for McAlolooy again, number three, and he is stopped again from McEachern. The goaltender winning the battle so far. Two big stops, one goal for McAlolooy. DDD pass goes across, and now it's in the middle, a shot, Pat save made there by the goaltender Schmidt, and it remains a 2-1 game. He tries to fight away for the puck here is Liam Hughes. Hugh takes it, spins around, right side circle. Liam Hugh tries to get towards the net, wrapping it around, he scores! Can it get more highlight reel than that? A wraparound goal in succession for Liam Hugh. Wrist shot, water bottle, pop! Lang leads the final opening, here's the group back to group, takes the rebound, he scores! Marcus Degu has tied the game at four! Now it's set ahead, here comes Shane and Long on another breakaway. Shane and Long, in alone, deeks to the forehand and he scores! What a move! Look at this, look at that! Shane and Long. Now Van Eyprin. Out in front, the shot was blocked. And the what a stop by Steves as he gets across with the paddle. Are you kidding me? 16 seconds to play. One more chance, Price Dupa feeds it across, and they score! And they celebrate in front of the fans in green. Gang Green gets it done in Overtime! And he's sent up the middle, intercepted, making a nice move there. A shot, they score! It is Kelly upstairs, and it's 3 1. That one knocked down, and McClellan trying to weave his way in and scores! Oh wow! Kingsley McClellan while facing. The other way, put that away. That is incredible. Eastman dumps that up. Kobe will chase after it. Talked about shorthanded goals with Kobe, and he scores a beauty shorthanded. Did I mention he led the U15s in shorthanded goals last year? Ben Holt looking to steal it back, and he will. 
Van Hoek taken down. Back to his feet. Nice move. He shoots. Save made there by Lowen. What a play that was by Caleb Van Hoek. And now it is Robinson on the shorthanded breakaway. Robinson backhand scores! Alec Robinson, second of the game. And now here's a breakaway for Kootenai. Coming in is Reeves. Scores! A short-ended beauty for Danik Reeves. As Kale Scott busting in. Scott has a step. In on the back end. Oh, and he scores! McCallum reaching back. Just about pulled that off the line. But Kale Scott with a beautiful move. And some timely opportunities. Now they get it tight and Edmonton scores! Malloy with an absolute beauty walking in, splitting the D and roofing it on Slumco. And it's a chance for Perron on the breakaway. Adam Perron backhand scores! What a beauty move from Adam Perron. Knowing why he's going to be a Spruce Grove Saint and why he's number three in the division when it comes to scoring. Outstanding move. Rockies get it out into the neutral zone. And the puck bounces down low. Now it's in front for Bagley, and there it is! The first GPHL goal for Finn Bagley. Welcome to the JPHL. Now it's skated out, and Nick Sanderson leads a three-on-one. Oh, what a play! What a beautiful goal from Ganser. Tic-tac-toe goal! The blue line, fires it on goal, rebound, and what a save by Keyes. Here's the dope in again, he shoots, he scores! escalated quickly. It jumped up a notch. It did, didn't it? Well, we keep getting uh, so lucky uh, when it comes to our guest list. Uh, the executive We're running through the executive directors at uh, Silent Ice TV. Last week, uh, we had Dan LeCelt, and fortunate enough to have Mark Kronowitz joining us on the show. And uh, Mark, we've chatted uh, a few times on set. And um, man, I, I just uh, I can't get over um, at what happens when it comes to when, when Silent Ice and Sports Entertainment puts their mind to something, uh, big thing. Things get done. Let's just talk about the biggest news as of late, and that is the Spruce Grove Saints and four other teams joining uh, the independent hockey realm. And a lot of work and a lot of uh, meetings and a lot of discussions went into this, Mark. But what? How would you explain the last month or so? Well, you know, I think there's been a lot that's been out in the media and it's already been spoken for. And I really want to commend our our partners at the BCHL. I think they've done a a uh, phenomenal job in, in helping us with our transition into the BCHL. And it's been nothing but positive. Uh, I know you guys were out today. We had our hockey hooky game in Sherwood Park. It looked like a full rink. And, you know, watching the quality of the, the play and the excitement in the rink. And, uh, you know, we're just really excited to, you know, see the opportunities that this will bring our organization. And 
we're really proud of, you know, other partners that have taken on independent hockey and, and understand that, you know, there needs to be an alternative inside the game of hockey. And that's what the independent movement's been about. It's about creating choices and more opportunities for kids and for athletes. And uh, we're just really super proud as a Saints organization to be one of the teams that's stepped into this new thing. And, you know, we're looking forward to the future. Uh, you know, we have a new rink that's opening next year that we uh, we're really excited about uh, and a big announcement today out in Sherwood Park. And we look at our partners there uh, with Black Falls, Okotoks and Brooks. Um, you know, most people know the last 10 years, the championship's been won with just basically that small group of teams with Okotoks and uh, Spruce Grove and Brooks. And, you know, it's, uh, I'll say something about the organizations also in BC, you know, we get a chance to go watch, watch how they've developed and, you know, their professional approach to it. And, you know, that's something that we see is really important to growing the game is raising our professionalism and raising the bar. So we give better opportunities for our athletes to fully reach their potential. And, you know, one of the things with the Saints organization and uh, one of the, some of the pillars of the BCHL is this idea of developing athletes up into that uh, next level, the collegiate, the NCAA uh, uh, opportunities. But they also have this belief that we help build uh, professional athletes and, and, and pro athletes that come out of our leagues. And, uh, you know, you go upstairs into the Spruce Grove Saints Lounge, anybody who's been up at our Lexus Lounge, and we have our wall uh, of fame where all our players have been placed in the NCAA, but we also have all our NHL guys. And it's unbelievable the amount of players that continue to push through in the second, third, fourth, fifth round picks uh, that are, are are taking that step. And I, like I, I said to somebody the other day, we got like six guys in the NHL right now on the blue line and, and people just don't really realize, hey, you look, you know, uh, the Spruce Grove Saints have been a factory for NHL defensemen in a lot of ways. And, you know, this is all this about raising the bar. And we're just really proud to be proud. We're really proud to be part of the BCHL. Mark, you mentioned the defensemen, and that's such an interesting story, too, because th there was a part of history there a couple of years ago where the Spruce Grove Saints had more defensemen playing pro hockey than any other junior organization in the world. And it was second to uh, the London Knights were second. The Saints were first. So it's just a testament to what you said. It's a defensive factory. It's a, it's a blue line factory, as we've called it through the years. There's so many notable names that you can go up and down the list. You know, Ian Mitchell, Carson Soucy. You got guys like Ethan Edwards coming up the pipeline, and the list goes so on and so forth. So many Taylor Fadu, Matt Benig. You know, it's just it's it's we're, we're always also really proud. You know, we we recognize that moving the BCL, we moved into the independent movement, but you know, the Saints have actually put a lot of players into the Hockey Canada World Junior Team, uh, which is very rare, right? So you we, you've seen that you know Ian Mitchell, uh, Hickey, uh, these guys getting these opportunities. To, to be chosen to go play in those programs. So, you know, there, there's great history with the, with the Saints organization and uh, our, our decision and, and moving through into the BCHL is all about us trying to grow the game and, and trying to create, again, more opportunities for our athletes. And I love that footage back there. Hey, Brandon, I just got to throw one out there. I know you're a goalie. Uh, what, about our, uh, what about our latest ads? Now we have a couple uh, ex-Saint goaltenders. We had Scrivens and what happened just recently? Well, Matt Murray, if we're referring to Matt Murray. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Yeah, su such a cool story. A guy that played in Spruce Grove a couple of years ago now, just before we took over, actually. I went to the University of Massachusetts and, you know, wasn't drafted, but he just went to a Texas Stars camp and they watched him a little bit at UMass. He worked his way onto the roster. He actually got thrown into the fire 
uh, two years ago now where he had to start one of the big games uh, in the Frozen Four, and he won the game, uh, which was so cool to propel them into the Frozen Four final. And then uh, last year, uh, creating a, a path for him to the NHL, some injuries sidelined the Dallas Stars goaltenders. He got to go play. And then most recently, just a couple weeks ago, he got his first goose egg ever in the National Hockey League. So a huge congratulations to him and, and what a path for success that is too. And, you know, my mind even goes to Ryan DeCook and we just watched him a couple hours yeah, ago in Sherwood wow. Park. Y- you know, he, he gave up four, but no fault of his own. How about the rookie season he has had? You know, maybe in the old league, he would have been the rookie of the year for sure. Maybe he still has that chance in the BCHL, but his numbers have been so impressive. And for a guy that was kind of pummeled with shots last year in the JPHL in Lethbridge, it really developed him quite a bit because he is a fantastic ad. And even with the goalie situation this year where Zach Oneski went down, he was thrown right into the fire and he's been fantastic for an 05 to come in and be a starting goalie at the junior level is remarkable. So just a testament to him and, and his job too, but just staying on the theme of goaltenders, uh, Cookie deserves some credit too, because he's been fantastic this year. Re-engage back up ice. Yeah. Amazing. And Mark, I want to ask you this now. Um, when you look at the BCHL, they, they posted an FAQ a couple days ago kind of outlining why this was done. The biggest question in there that I want to ask you is, why does this move benefit our team and the other four teams from Alberta? What does it do for the athletes? Oh, I, I just think that the, the, quality, the, the quality of play is just higher uh, and creating you know, when you look at this idea of playing an independent type of game, it allows you as a team to try and bring in the athletes, maybe even from other places in Canada or, or across the border. But for us, when we actually look at the Saints, and I can't speak for all the other teams, you know, we've been building a vertically integrated development system for eight years. Okay. And it starts off in the Hockey Super League uh, with the original Saints Pro Hockey Academy team, which had 07, 08s, and 06s. We've been developing this depth, and now you look at that level. And for us, this gives us an opportunity to actually fully integrate our program. And, you know, it's, it's you know, we look at the JPHL athletes going HSL, JPHL. Ten seconds play These players that are now going into this, you know, end up either in the Saints or the Western Hockey League. We're super proud of those athletes. And uh, I know there was a couple – uh, Titans Hockey Union players that were uh, JPHL players that uh, there's a bunch of injuries in Spruce Grove and uh, they got to come play and to be fair what was happening in the past is those only, those opportunities only being get, being give, given to kids in the traditional minor hockey system so you know we're really excited for the athletes that have been in part of our programs over the years and the opportunity to, have to be fully integrated and, and have all the opportunities that you traditionally get uh, that have been and actually not been allowed uh, our athletes haven't had those opportunities over the last uh, five six years so uh, you know it's overall just really exciting for that that we can keep that vertical integration programming going I think the last thing is is you know we want to play, play the best and we want to be the best like you know we have this bar that you know, we want to be a winning organization. We want to win championships and we want to play the best teams in Canada to do that. We think going head to head with Brooks the last 10 years has definitely pushed that, but we know there are lots of other opportunities and part of us to push ourselves to that next level. We want those opportunities to go to different places and compete against different groups. And we really do think this is expanding what we're doing. And I'm really super excited about what we're going to be seeing happen over the next few years. Well, I, I think I, the, the craziest thing there, too, is the Spruce Grove Saints have never won a Doyle Cup. And now you go back to the Vernon Vipers and the Penticton Vs and how many times they beat the Saints 
Well, now you're going to see that on a regular day-to-day basis and see if the Saints can compete against those teams because you get to see them. And it's got to be cool for our fans. You know, the Penticton Vs are coming in a couple times a year. The Vernon Vipers are coming in. But even to your GPHL point of the players going to the next level, uh, Blackfalls today signing three more guys to AP agreements out of the Lethbridge United. Uh, leading off that list was Brady Magerl, Jed Magerl's brother, who uh, Jed plays for the Spruce Grove Saints, but now Brady going to be an AP uh, for Blackfalls. And to your point as well, I mean, Cole Cronowit and Owen LeKelt make their debuts uh, today in junior hockey, and that wouldn't have happened two weeks ago. So it's just a testament to the job that you guys have done, you know, true pioneers in the game in junior hockey in Western Canada to get those guys uh, onto the ice. But more importantly, make it a better development stream for everybody involved, players, coaches, broadcasters, officials. I'm looking very forward to the future. I, I obviously I'm ecstatic about the opportunities for these kids and, you know, we're super proud of that. I thought you were maybe giving me a little shot on the Doyle cup thing. So I was uh, assistant coach with the 1996 saints team. Uh, we won uh, the AJ in seven games against Fort Mac. And then we had to go play the Vernon Vipers and uh, end up losing in seven games in Vernon. So uh, also been through some of the Doyle cups, uh, you know, tough one for us there six seasons ago against Wenatchee losing Chris Van Osha had scored 50 goals that year. He broke his thumb and we just weren't able to kind of push through. And uh, obviously some of those great battles uh, with those interior teams have always been really exciting. So uh, I can tell you the rinks were always full. Uh, back in 96, the, there was too many tickets sold when we were back at Aikensdale in St. Albert. And uh, uh, Blaine Galbraith uh, moved our games to the Agricom. And it was great. Sure, 3,500, 4,000 people showed up for the Doyle Cup. But unfortunately, we went down two games to one and we lost our advantage of being in our home rink. But kind of catch 22, we sold a lot of tickets. So I can tell you that it's a huge draw when those teams used to come through. And I've been part of a bunch of those experiences as assistant coach or as a director here with the Saints. So I think that part is super exciting, this cross-border thing. People have come to me and said, oh, I, you know, and a lot of, you know, a lot of people are transplanted across Western Canada. And so you have people that will come to these games. They have this connection. And uh, yeah, it's, I can't wait for the first time to have these teams into our new rink. Uh, you know, it's funny. The, the, first, the first ever story I did when I moved to Edmonton and wor- started working for Global was about Aikensdale Arena being too small for the Saints going into the playoffs. I moved right here in the playoffs, went and met Drew Shamahorn, did a story about that, and then eventually the Saints, of course, moving out to uh, to Spruce Grove and kind of comes full circle. And and, and and Ewa and I were talking today about, you know, the Hockey Super League. And, you know, here's some footage of a, of a Challenge oh, Cup yeah. with these youngsters and this is where it starts. And this year we had the first player from the Challenge Cup, uh, or from the HSL, rather, Scott Ratzlaff, drafted uh, and played in the World Junior Team. Um, so you get from the the cool thing of the Challenge Cup, then you get into the JPHL stream of this is winter championships uh, that we have here going, and you make a case for yourself there. And then what happens is you get into the... Junior, like Ryan DeCook 
back, uh, as we'll see right here. And vertically, in vertically integrated is the perfect uh, description for this, Mark. And you really do have, as we will see, uh, one more piece of footage that uh, shows why this works. And here is Antonio Martorana last year uh, with oh, the yeah. Titans having success, uh, obviously uh, leading the U18 division in scoring and uh, terrific young player, Samuel Charco and uh, Cole Cronowit as well on that team. And then you have Martorana scoring his first WHL goal. So it's the proof is actually in the players, uh, as you might say, not in the pudding, but in the players that this system works. And it's just going to to like once that first year of HSL kids that have never played minor hockey, the pipeline right into the JPHL and, and it's already working. I can't imagine what it's going to be like in the next two to three years. I remember vividly the first time I met Antonio, who was about eight years old. Uh, my brother Brad had me come out and run a junior Eagles practice and he had this big smile on his face. He told me his nickname and I always just been a, a big proponent of Antonio's game. He, what's really unique about him is it's not just how much he scores. He is a goal scorer, but it's when he scores. Uh, he's a big game player. He scores tough goals in tough places at tough times. Uh, you know, you think about the the uh, first JPHL championship uh, between SBHA, white and blue, and the goal, the goal he scores coming down the wing, just phenomenal. And then he scores one in the shootout to keep us going uh you know he's just been clutch for the thunderbirds he's having to play with all our injuries there in seattle he's having to play a lot of minutes right now a lot more there's uh it's really interesting they're carrying five 16 year olds in their lineup every night right now uh up front just up front and you know sometimes when you you know i flipped on the game the other night and uh they're playing portland portland's you know his top 10 chl team and they got there. You've got Antonio Kazan Mathis and Samuel Charco, and also an HSL and uh, JPHL player out there, front three, three 16 year olds lining up against Portland's first line. And I thought, okay, this is a big day for us. And, uh, you know, success of Simon Loveson uh, this year, unfortunately, Simon down, went down with an injury and he had just started to find his game. But I'll trust you this uh, everybody in the league already knows who he is because he has laid out some massive massive checks and uh and, and scored some big big goals and also you know we have coster done that that's also you know he just went down with an injury but you know coster has been uh uh playing the highlight of the night in the chl twice this year uh scored just an absolute highlight real goal and just had his has game his offensive game is really starting to pick up so you know absolutely yeah you can talk about you know the hsl and the jphl and the program but you're right it really just comes down to the players uh, my dad always used to say Hockey is not about the people who watch it, but it's about the people who play it. It's about the players, and everybody else needs to get out of the way and let the kid, let the players play. And uh, I, I believe my dad's got good advice on that one. So it's so cool, and just to even back up the point even more, the Seattle Thunderbirds lost in the final two years ago, won the championship last year. The Spruce Grove Saints have been to the final every single year, minus the two COVID years where the playoffs were canceled. So if you need some proof that the system is working. Well, to have both of your junior teams in the final year after year has got to be a pretty good indication. And Mark, I wanted to ask you, maybe take it back a little bit more for us. I mean, 
we, we showed the bio momentarily, Dino, uh, about Mark and his 1999 uh, Allen Cup win with the Stony Plain Eagles. And we had Dan on last week, and he told us a story about how you were just on Lindsay for the 25-hour bus ride to Powell River and back about him and Dan going to play for the Eagles because you know, they're sick of playing against them. Uh, but for it to come full circle now, you guys have done so much with Silent Air. You guys have son- done so much with hockey development and even branching out into the entertainment side too with For Vengeance and the Bus Charter Company. But for you to look back at it now and take yourself back to 1999 on the ice when you won that game and just see how far you've come to 2024, it's got to be a pretty cool feeling for yourself and the other executives involved. Well, I remember back in the day, our biggest challenge was affording who could, if we could scrounge up enough beer to hit the off sales, leave it in its tail on a Friday. Like, that's where a humble group, like, that's where we started. And uh, what's funny about that, that group, and I've talked about this before, was this concept of accountability. And uh, the Stony Plain Eagle dressing room, uh, and to play on that group back in that kind of that stretch from, I call it like 1990 all the way through to about 07, 08. Um, you know, the level, if you didn't carry your weight, if you weren't willing to kind of give up a little piece of yourself for the betterment of the team, you just didn't last in the room. And what that meant is you end up with a bunch of people that really trusted each other. And when you trust each other, you become, it's kind of based on something we call family and how we care about each other. And we treat each other like family. And, uh, when you have family, you have trust. And when you have those two things, you combine them, you can take some risks in life. And I, I think our our push, and I admire the LaCal brothers, uh, when they stepped up, uh, the Stony Plain Eagles said, uh, we lost our AGLC license, and I was uh, I was the president of the team at the time, and uh, we were going to have to fold the team. And I went to Dan and Lindsay, and they thought I was going to ask for sponsorship money, and uh, unfortunately, I had to ask them to step up and actually take over the team and take on the financial liability of the team. And they graciously step up and took that challenge on, and that's the type of people they are. Um, this has never been motivated by monetary success or anything like that. It's always just like creating opportunities. We love the game. Uh, it's hard to argue if, you know, Dan and Lindsay love the game. There's no question about it. And they're willing to do anything to help the people around them who also love the game be as successful as they can. And I'm just a benefactor of that. And, you know, I'm really proud to be part of this, this group of people that, you know, we use this program it's called Game Changers. It's like, yeah, you're right. We're trying to change games. And mm-hmm. Dan always says it takes a lot of uh, it takes teamwork to do that. And it also takes this great quality called resilience. And um, that's how you become a game changer. And resilience is about this idea that when things are tough or different, you know, how do you find different ways to solve traditional problems? And, you know, that's a little bit of what we've taken in the game of hockey. Uh, you know, I've heard a lot of stuff out in the, press where people are saying, oh, you know, this idea of lots of players coming in from the U.S. or Europeans coming in and playing in the CHL or playing junior hockey in Canada. And I can see the attraction for these people because, you know, we, we have the best junior leagues in the world. There's no question. Like, we do. And they want to come play here. But here's the thing. It's incumbent on us as the hockey leaders in Canada to develop as many high-profile athletes as possible. And, you know, I always say, you know, as the tide rises, all boats rise. 
So we're trying to push the tide of the game up and, and trying to create that opportunity so more Canadian kids end up in the Spruce Grove Saints roster. And, and a lot of people talk about it, but we're absolutely committed to the grassroots, have been for a long time, and about vertically integrating that grassroots. And, you know, that's our commitment back to the Canadian athletes and to the Alberta or our players that are coming through our system here in Western Canada. Well, you, you mentioned two words, uh, resiliency and teamwork. Uh, and that that's what a hockey team does, right? You you have to have resiliency. If you get down, you have to come together as a team. And, and, I, and I've used this analogy, um, the, the silent eye sports and entertainment world that that i've been brought into reminds me of a giant hockey team uh, you know we all have fun with each other uh but when we need to get down to business we get down to business and and it's really quite fun now you mentioned something a while ago mark about we just want to play against the best players that's what everybody wants to do um i think the western hockey league uh, the rest of the teams are quickly going to realize that they need to start drafting out of this league i've seen way more western hockey league scouts from teams that weren't around last last year this year when do you think and and do you envision it will be a possibility where we can play the best against the best and we do uh let the garbage get out of the way and just let the hockey play i mean that's this has been talked about for many years uh, when other uh leagues went independent there has to be a way for this to happen at some point and hopefully soon and i know that has to be the wish of of all of us involved well, and I, I don't, I look at that not just in Canada, but I think Canada, US, and then one step further. And people say, well, the best and the best is the world junior. Okay, I get it. But, you know, club team championships, like I, you know, I really, you know, you look at the games that have been more progressive on the business side, like uh, soccer, football in Europe, um, you know, this idea of a different type of events and, and uh, different types of championships. And, you know, we've tried to embrace some of those concepts through the HSL. And I think there's opportunities exist inside of independent hockey. I'm super passionate about the club game. Super passionate, like love the all-star concepts where you get a group of all the best kids and you go play that, I get it. And those are experiences that kids never forget. And, and that's great. But when you talk about club hockey, you know, don't you wanna know who the best you know, U15 club hockey team is in North America. And, you know, unfortunately, most recently, Hockey Canada made sure that that didn't, we didn't get that opportunity to play against those other groups. So, you know, there's little catch 22, you know, yeah, follow the rules, even when you don't have to follow the rules as it relates to whether you play in sanctioned or unsanctioned hockey tournaments. But, um, you know, we're always up and open, open to play anybody. And I mean that sincerely. And, and, uh, you know, I mean that more at the GPHL and HSL levels. We have some phenomenal, phenomenal hockey teams in the HSL that I would question if there's a minor hockey team in those age groups that could even come close to them. They're that deep. They have, you know, high structure in the game. They have phenomenal skill development that's been put in place. And, uh, you know, we're one of the things that we also are really proud of inside of our programming is our coaching. And the only way you're going to get better as an organization is through bringing in those great coaches. And that's what we're finding that's happening in HSL. And it just keeps on elevating all the way through our vertical program. So. It's so cool uh, to see what you guys have done in just a short term of, of five years or six years in the HSL's case uh, with the Spruce Grove Saints. But what's next for Silent Ice? And I know it's a broad question and it could go a lot of different directions, but I'd be really curious to see what your vision is and where you see 
Silent Ice and all of its entities, where do you see them in two, three, five years? What what stems in your brain when you hear that down the road? Well, I think about four stages of development. You know, you say you form something, you storm it, which means you got to work through and all that grit and tough work. And then you kind of norm your, your progress and your programs or your team or whatever it is. And then you try and shift to stage four, which is perform or that high performance. And high performance is all about quality. So I see us shifting as we've normalized uh, independent hockey, which I think has happened. There's going to be this this next level that's going to happen where we even raise it up higher into this high performance, that fourth zone that everybody's shooting for. And uh, I think we're in a great position to do that. And then once if we can get into that high quality, high performance uh model we're so close i think right now it's how do we repeat that and then expand it across canada and 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 build the alliance around uh around hockey in canada i i think that's uh phenomenal and um you know we've seen uh the growth of independent hockey out east a little bit uh talking to chris versteeg uh from clever he says he loves the jphl concept because right now uh, it's like before the jphl the kids will go through the ksl or the hsl and then well, where do they go after that? So I think you're going to see this concept catch on. Uh, I think other people are going to see the success of it, uh, the success of the players, and say, hey, why can't we have a Canadian National Independent Championship? And just by put, moving the needle that much, Mark, I think the rest of hockey is going to come together. We're going to get there. At some point, we're going to get there. It's going to take a lot of work. You guys have already put in uh, the work. And you know what? To me, now is where where we've done a lot of the work. Now we let the hockey speak for itself, and there'll become a point where people will have to say, "Why aren't we playing against these guys or girls?" Uh, yeah, and I I think one of the things that we've always tried to keep true to is we don't talk a lot about what we're doing, and you know, overpromise things and then underdeliver. That's never been our, our our approach. And so what I'll share with you is is that we we do have a, a plan. Uh, there is strategy behind this, and absolutely, we're looking at every opportunity to help us expand the game. Uh, we think, again, keep it coming back. We think it's that families need choices. Uh, if you don't have a choice, that's when things like corruption happens, intimidation, bullying. Because if you're afraid to speak up and say anything, and you're in a monopoly environment, or you've got only one place where you can go buy your groceries, right? Are you going to be mean to that store and? and get and fight no so like there's there's this bigger picture that's always happening in the background we got to stay true to our values which is creating these opportunities for families and then as we do that as we kind of build our way up part of those opportunities is like you say having an independent or you know i don't care if you're sanctioned or unsanctioned i think you know i'm a big proponent of the postseason tournaments even open play uh, you know, the way it used to work is, is everybody would shift into spring hockey and disband from their club teams. But now you've got all these kid, these families who don't want to leave their club teams because they love playing in the HSL and they love playing with their HSL club team. They want to be part of that, but there's no shoulder season to transition into that. And I bet you there's some pretty good minor hockey teams out there that would like that opportunity when their season's over, if they keep their club together and play in that, I, I call it that shoulder season now. You know, Hockey Alberta decided to extend that shoulder season as, as far as possible. 
to prevent that from ever happening. But uh, I, I still think that would be great for the game. And I think it would be great for the development on both sides of it. Like, you know, how do you know if you're developing your athletes unless you get that opportunity to go head to head and and play those games? And, you know, I, I don't know if it'll ever happen, though, Dean. I, I just don't see their enablers for that to happen unless it's in some sort of shoulder season that's outside of the traditional Hockey Canada sanction model. Yeah, um, I guess we can only hope and do our part. And as you have said and as others have said, uh, it's not the independent hockey that doesn't want to play against uh, the quote-unquote sanctioned hockey it's the other way around so we're waiting they've taken the nets and and gone home you can't play without the nets that's that's the way i look at it is we're ready to play independent hockey is ready and uh, when everybody else comes to the table we can all play and and let the the boys and girls that are there that we're there for uh enjoy the game but Enough of that. Um, thank you very much, Mark, for joining us on the show. Uh, love chatting with you. I love the passion uh, that comes out, and uh, obviously, uh, it's uh, the 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 passion is is front and center when it comes to hockey and silent ice uh, sports and entertainment. Thanks as always for joining us on the program, and I look forward to doing it again soon. Thanks, Dean, and thanks, Brandon. Uh, love what you guys do on Game Changers, and uh, keep up the great work at For Vengeance Media. Uh, I I am so proud to every time I watch what you guys produce, I'm just blown away. Just keep up the fantastic work. It's uh, you guys are setting a new bar for youth sports, and I mean that across all sports right now. I think you guys are really raising it up. So. Well, that was uh, a pleasure to talk with Mark, uh, just like it was with Dan. And, uh, you know, Mark obviously has lots of experience uh, in broadcasting as well uh, as he gets into the draft talk. Well, this weekend, I'll be out in Delta, BC. There's the schedule right there. Thursday, we're also Friday, and we will have uh, Sunday and Monday games as well in the JPHL. And, of course, you can watch it all on Silent ice tv and uh you will be on the bchl network yeah spruce grove like we said off the top back in sherwood park on saturday a matinee sunday uh in black falls and then finally back on home ice next friday the 24th of february hosting the okotoks oilers uh so another jam-packed weekend of action across all of our networks uh, all of us will be busy from graphics to highlights to production, camera work, play-by-play. Uh, no better time than the stretch run here right before the playoffs. Outstanding. Well, uh, we have to go back one more time to our good friend, Peter Labardius. As we end the show, enjoy this viral moment, courtesy of Patrick Steffen. He's Brandon Ewan Cheshire. I'm Dean Millard. Thanks very much to Mark Cronowit uh, for giving us uh, some of his time. And thank you, the listener and the viewer. If you're just listening and you want to watch the show, check it out on silentice.tv.com. And if you're watching and you want to catch it on the go, wherever you get your podcasts, we are on all the podcast networks. We'll see you again next week. Thanks very much for watching. Good night. To be one last gasp here for the Oilers. First run, fans on a pass. Stefan steals and he'll ice it. Oh, at least I thought he was going to until he blew it. That's unbelievable. Here come the Oilers the other way. And Hemsky's loose. Hemsky, he scored. Can you believe what we just saw? 
That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Patrick Steffen, you should be embarrassed for what you just did. That does not belong in the National Hockey League. And then the puck is turned over, stole. Gets the puck up, and shockingly, it's Ryan Smith. Alex Hemsky makes a remarkable move, and the Oilers somehow are going to send this game to overtime as Alex Hemsky's...